um, then uh, please do turn back to Psalm 32 uh, with me. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray, shall we, as we come to God's word. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Father, we've come this morning because in a moment of crisis we see that we need you all the more. We come while you may be found. In our hearts and in our lives today, would you teach us all that it means to trust you for our today and for our tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this isn't supposed to happen here, is it? It's supposed to happen in other parts of the world. Whether it's SARS or these different forms of virus. I mean, they affect Asia. Or Ebola affects Africa. But it's not supposed to come knocking on our door. We're not supposed to live in a world that's turned upside down by the threats of contracting a virus. But it's here. It's on our doorstep and it's affecting our lives. It's going to affect our lives all the more. It's a global pandemic. And we now know that we're not going to escape it. And in a moment like that, we need to prepare, don't we? We need to find ways of preparing ourselves for our today and our tomorrow, for the harder times that are still to come. So how do you prepare? Well, click on the news and you find people are preparing by clearing the supermarket shelves of toilet rolls and rice and pasta. Panic buying, that's the first response in terms of preparing for what's to come, but for many. Or perhaps uh, we look to others for an answer, to, to our National Health Service. But we know deep down the hospitals can't cope with all that's going to come their way. Uh, we look to scientific experts, but even they seem to be divided on the best course of action. Politicians? Well, we've seen how utterly powerless they are to provide any kind of answer to the spread of the coronavirus. As someone has said, the whirlwind is at our door. And our human answers are altogether inadequate. They may help. There is some wisdom to be found, but they are altogether inadequate. So what then, if we're Christians here this morning? Is there somewhere for us a better place to turn for an answer? Well, you wouldn't be surprised, would you, if I said yes? But how does the gospel sustain us in a time of uncertainty and crisis how can we experience in our lives a confidence and a joy that can cast out fear well psalm 32 just so happened to be our reading for today and it was set i don't know a number of months ago it was planned for for months ago but it also just so happens to speak into our situation It was written for a time like ours in so many ways. The great Saint Augustine said Psalm 32 was his favorite psalm. And uh, he said, I've discovered this week, that at times of illness he would write out Psalm 32 and put it by the side 
of his bed. It was the, it was the scripture that he meditated on, that he referred to and reflected on when he was ill. Interesting, isn't it, that that's our psalm. That's just where we happen to be today. Why here? Why this psalm? What was it that Augustine discovered? Maybe it's verses like verse 10. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. That's a a great verse of comfort to God's people, isn't it? Don't you like that phrase? His unfailing love. The confidence that we can have in, in any eventuality, in every circumstance, God will not let us down. Immediately, it takes you to those sort of verses in Romans chapter 8, doesn't it? What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? And Paul concludes, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's God's unfailing love. We need to meditate on that in a time of crisis. Not even coronavirus can separate us from the love of God. My my dad is 85. He's not been well for a number of months. I visited him yesterday. And I naturally worry for him at a time like this. What sustains you when you become naturally anxious? When the, the fear of the shadow of death hangs over you? And me. Surely the knowledge of God's unfailing love, verse 10, for us in Christ. That if if God is for us, who can be against us? And so David says, verse 6, Therefore let all the faithful pray to you, while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. Verse 7, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Verse 7. So Christian, how can you prepare for your today and tomorrow? It seems to me, above all else, today is the day when we need to know that we mustn't run from God, but to God. And we can't afford to hide from God, but we must hide in God. Because he is willing and able to protect. And he alone can deliver us. And running to God starts in a, in a strange place in this psalm. Running to God starts in a strange place. I'd like to, uh, to just draw your attention to verse 6 and the first word there of verse 6. Therefore. And uh, the word therefore is always a word that serves to point us back. It's kind of a link between verses 1 to 5, the first half of the psalm, and verses 6 to 11, the second half. Do you see it there? It points us back to David's own experience of God that gives him confidence and hope for the future. It's verses 1 to 5 that prepares him to trust in God. And verses 1 to 5 are the story of how David ran from God, but then confessed his sin and found his hope in God. 
verses 1 to 5, testifies to the truth that if we run to God, he is ready to receive us and ready to have us because God is a God who loves us despite ourselves. He doesn't love us because of anything he sees in us. He loves us despite us. Here is a God, verses 1 to 5, who is ready to forgive and to restore. We don't quite know what this psalm relates to, what incident in David's life. But most of the commentators think it probably is looking back to that time when David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then in an attempt to cover up his sin, had her, had her husband, Uriah the Hittite, killed in battle. And then in a further cover-up, went a whole year hiding from God until Nathan the prophet knocked on his door and in divine mercy brought him back to a vibrant relationship with God as he confessed his sin and was restored. And I think David is saying to us, if God can love a wayward sinner like me, then no virus is going to keep us from God's love now. So let's turn back to the, to the first half of that sermon and see how it all begins for David. Our confidence as we face an uncertain future is that God is the kind of God who loves us despite ourselves. Blessed is the one, verse 1, whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one, it's a double blessing, you see verse 2, is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Your confidence and your joy moving forward in the Christian life comes from the fact that God loved you despite yourself at the very beginning. He forgave you because he's a God who is rich in mercy. Blessed is the one, verse 2, whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And Augustine said in his little book on the Psalms where he highlights why Psalm 32 was his favorite psalm, he highlights the fact that actually the Christian life, the key to the Christian life, he says, is to know yourself to be a sinner. That's where it starts, to acknowledge your sin before the God of all perfection and to discover that his grace is bigger than any of your sin. The blessed life comes from not hiding our sin, but bringing it to God and experiencing his love. And verse 3, the only other alternative, is to run and hide. And when we run and hide from God, we can't turn to God and we find ourselves relying 100% on all of our own resources, all of our own strength, and it's energy sapping and life destroying. Verse 3, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Did did David have an illness at this point? Maybe, maybe not. It's just, just the consequence of living with unconfessed sin and the guilt that came out of that, that's probably what's going on in verse 3. 
For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Every human being every day faces the choice to either run from God, verses 3 and 4, or to run to God, verses 1 and 2. And in a time of crisis, let us not be those who are found to be running from God. This is no time for us to have a broken fellowship with the Lord. So the Christian life, our today and tomorrow, the comfort that we need to sustain us in the weeks ahead will come as we bring our sins before Almighty God and confess them. And therefore know a a relationship restored to him that can sustain us in all that is to come. Douglas Copeland wrote a, a few books. Generation X was one of them. Life After God was another. And one of the characters in Life After God arrives at this conclusion towards the end of the book. This is what he says. He says, now here is my secret. I tell it to you with an openness of heart that I doubt I shall ever achieve again. So I pray that you are in a quiet room as you hear these words. My secret is that I need God. That I am sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me to give because I no longer seem capable of giving. To help me to be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness. To help me love as I seem beyond being able to love. The secret to the Christian life is in a short account with God, of coming quickly to God with our sin and experiencing his grace and his love and his forgiveness that restores us. There is blessing to be found in acknowledging my sin to God. I think verses 1 to 5 are all about the blessedness of forgiveness. You notice in uh, verse 1 and 2 that he actually describes sin in three related but distinct ways. He talks about sin as a transgression. That means a rebellion. Rebellion is when you know what God's will is and you still choose not to do it. Whether that's do not lie or do not steal, do not covet. And yet we break it again and quite willfully and quite deliberately. Transgression points to rebellion. The sin of uh, verse 1 points to a failure to do something. The word picture is is that of an an archer's arrow that's fired at a target that falls short of its intended goal. Even our best deeds fall short of honoring and glorifying God. And then sin in verse 2 is actually a word that's better translated iniquity as it's translated in verse 5. And that just means a, a waywardness. That means a veering off a path, choosing not to go the path that I'm supposed to be on, but heading off in a completely different direction. Sin is transgression. Sin is failure. Sin is iniquity. And it seems to me that... that that David, by giving us all three definitions of sin in verses 1 and 2, is wanting to highlight that we fail God in a million different ways. 
And that in so many ways we we cannot be the people that we want to be. And yet, God forgives everyone and every kind of our sins. You're blessed to bring your sins to God. Because it's then that you can experience the love of God over you as a sinner. To know every one of your sins forgiven and forgotten forever. We don't just know God as our creator, as Christians. We know him as our redeemer. The one who has set his love upon us despite what we're like. Verse 5. Do you see how freely God forgives? Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Augustine says, no sooner is the word forming in his mouth than God is ready to forgive. As soon as David says, please forgive me, Lord, the Lord pours out his love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness. I said I will confess, and you forgave. That was it. There were not a list of preset conditions. There was not a new rule book that was established, well, I'll forgive you on the basis that you're now going to have to do these things and make up in the... No, God just forgave because he is the forgiving God. Maybe you're someone here today and you're someone who... Like David in verses 3 and 4, are running from God at the moment in your life. Maybe there is sin that you harbor. Maybe that there is a, a way of life that you prefer to God's design for your life. And you sense the heaviness in your heart. You feel the burden of being a stranger to God. That you don't approach him. That you're continuing to to run and to hide. David took a whole year after his sin against Bathsheba to be put right in his relationship with God. In in a room like this, there, there could well be some of us who feel the heaviness of unconfessed sin. We are not right with God. And David says, go quickly to him. Come to him today. Put it right. You know what it's like when you you have a relationship with someone, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's within your marriage, maybe it's with a parent, and something goes wrong, and you're just too stubborn to go to that person and say, look, I'm really sorry for the things that I said that were wrong. And you just allow the relationship to continue with this icy coldness, and you, you just refuse to be the first to say sorry. You know what that's like? In a human relationship, you know what you need to do. And the challenge is to just be the first to do it. Well, please don't let that be you with God. An icy coldness because you can't come to God and won't come to God and you won't say what needs to be said. In Genesis chapter 4, Cain says, My guilt is greater than I can bear. 
And this is not a season that we're about to go into right now with a damaged relationship with God. This is the time today to put things right so that you can come to God with joy and boldness for whatever today and tomorrow will bring. This is not a time to hide from God. You need him more than you ever have needed him. Don't cover up your sin. Don't rationalize it away. Come to God and seek his forgiveness. And as we confess our sins, of course, it then leads to access to God and an experience of his love. Do you see verse 5? You forgave the guilt of my sin, therefore... From David's own personal experience of a renewed relationship with God, verse 6, he then appeals to all of us. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to him while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. From hiding from God, David is now encouraging us all to hide in God. And find him to be our refuge and our strength and our joy. And it begins with confession of sin. But it leads to great confidence. That if God is the God who will forgive me. If God's grace is that free. Then God is the one who will sustain me and keep me. And be for me and with me. In the days that are to come. This psalm is testimony to what the Bible calls the doctrine of justification. That forgiveness is free and total. In fact, the the first two words from Psalm 32, the Apostle Paul picks them up in the book of Romans and uses them to show that God has never treated us according to what we deserve but has always lavished his love upon undeserving sinners. And therefore, as the forgiven, we come to God again, verse 7, and say, you are my hiding place. And you are, therefore, my strength. I wonder whether you believe that this morning. Whether you know the love of God for you in Christ Jesus. Maybe what's going on in these events of the last week is demonstration to the fact that you're not sure where you stand with God. You're not sure that he is for you. Well, if that is you, can I invite you to confess your sins to him for the first time and know that through Jesus Christ, God has borne that sin that is yours and is ready to take it away from you and forgive it and forget it forever. Maybe you need to do it for the very first time. That is how you will prepare yourselves for the events that are coming. To know God as your saviour and your friend for the very first time. The God who can keep you. Or maybe it's for you as a Christian to confess your sin again, to draw near to God so that you may experience in a fresh way God's love and forgiveness. Verse 9. Do not be like the horse or the mule 
which has to be pulled against its will in the direction that its owner wishes it to travel. A horse that has no understanding of the right way to go. But this morning you do. You know what God requires of you. Don't be stubborn. Don't resist him. But find him to be an all-sufficient saviour for your today and tomorrow. Many are the woes of the wicked. What a time to be alive without the hope of the gospel. It's a desperate time. But with Jesus, the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. So verse 11, if that is you, if you are ready to bring your sin to God and confess it, and to find strength in a renewed relationship with God, then verse 11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad. And know that he is for you and with you and sing all who are upright in heart. So take a moment to be quiet. And I'm going to lead us in a short prayer of confession based on Psalm 32 and invite you to respond. Maybe for some it will be for the very first time. For all of us, this is the time to renew our relationship with God. Let us pray. How happy are those whose wrongs are forgiven, whose sin is no longer held against them. How happy are those who no longer lie to themselves or to anyone else. When we refuse to admit our sin, it eats away at us little by little, weakening us in body and soul. So let us come before God with our prayers of confession. Let's lay before God the sin that is weighing us down so that we can be freed from its burden and receive God's mercy and love in the quietness of your heart. Why don't you seek God's forgiveness as you confess your sins now? Verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Lord God, you are our hiding place. Your unfailing love surrounds us. And even in a time of crisis, you fill our hearts with songs of joy. you continue to guide us in the ways that we should go? Would you watch over our today and our tomorrow so that our lives may bring honour to your name? Amen.
going to stand and sing of the joy and the confidence that is ours in Jesus.